Hi, this is Joe Shannon. I'm a lawyer, a husband, a father of six kids, and I also uh, host a podcast called Opening Statement with Joe Shannon. Please consider listening to our podcast on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple, and any other folks that host podcasts. Just Google Joe Shannon and podcast and you'll find it. I hope you enjoyed the show. We're here today with Carrie Meldon. How are you today, Carrie? Hey, Joe. How you doing, man? I'm doing okay. I'm I'm actually uh in my uh, apartment and we're uh, we're working remotely here and uh just trying to take every uh you know every in front of us and and uh, doing what we can do so where do you call home gary all right well right now i'm in fort lauderdale florida and uh our uh, our firm has offices throughout the state of florida we have offices in gainesville ocala and i'm in south florida which is uh, really where the uh, the coronavirus is um, has been uh, the most problematic in the state of Florida. And uh, actually, I live really close to where the uh, cruise ships came in yesterday. So I'm, I'm actually looking at one right, right outside my window. Uh, it's still docked outside in, in the ocean. So uh, I'm down here. I'm uh, I'm I'm in South Florida. And. Um... Why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners as far as like where'd you grow up and uh, how'd you get end up getting to be across the street or looking out the window with some cruise ships? <laughs> well, I, I was born and raised in Gainesville, Florida, which is the home of the the University of Florida Gators, as uh, many of the listeners may be aware. And uh, I uh, I ended up going to back in two thousand and. Uh, in the Tampa area, where I uh, attended a, a law school named Stetson, which is actually Florida's oldest law school. And uh, after uh, I, I graduated law school, I uh, ended up going to Daytona Beach and practiced as an assistant state attorney for almost five years. I was uh, over there on, in Daytona and um, had a lot of experience trying cases and, and litigating uh uh, prosecutions. And uh, in 2009, I actually traveled back to North Central Florida, uh, where Gainesville is located, and uh, joined my father, Jeffrey Meldon, who uh, I know that you're well acquainted with. And we, uh, we started practicing uh, uh, personal injury law, uh, wrongful death, uh, criminal defense, basically consumer protection, um, all of that, anything to help uh, people in our community. And then uh, in 2017, I moved a remote office under Meldon Law, so we still are under the same umbrella, down to South Florida. And since then, I've been representing people in Palm Beach, Broward, and Miami-Dade counties, which are the three largest counties in South Florida. And have uh, we have about 8 to 10 million people, I believe, uh, that live down here. So like you up in Chicago, uh, you know, we deal with are some really great people, and uh, we have the opportunity and privilege so, to, uh, to, to help people. Growing up in Gainesville, that's a college town, right? Oh yeah, oh yes. It's the biggest. It's the biggest uh, student population in the state of Florida. 
There's uh, the University of Florida, which has over 50,000 students. And then it also has a very large uh, junior college called Santa Fe College, which has about 30,000 students. So between the two colleges, there's uh, yeah, it's, it's, so it's, it's, it's definitely a college. You, uh, you grew up there and then I think like most kids, they just want to get away. And, and so you headed out to William and Mary, huh? I did. I was up in Williamsburg and uh, I, I loved it up there. It was definitely a shock for me because I, I grew up in a college town and then William, Williamsburg, Virginia, where William and Mary is located, is uh, a colonial town. And uh, it's actually a great, a great little uh, town. When, when things get back to normal, I encourage anybody who uh, wants to really experience some history of, of our great nation to, to check it out. Uh, Jamestown is is right near there, and they have some really cool historic uh, monuments. But uh, I traveled. To, I went there actually because I got a tennis scholarship, and I had the opportunity to play Division One uh, tennis. And uh, I wasn't good enough to play at the University of Florida, and I and I felt like uh, I had a great opportunity with a, a really challenging uh, education, and and uh, I was able to um, kind of get outside of my sphere of uh, of influence you know, I, in Florida uh, and, and you know I try new laugh. things. Um, because uh, I don't know if you know this, but um, Lou Holtz was used to be the football coach at William and Mary, and uh, his, his joke was that uh, yes, uh, that when it was it was it was a great experience for him. But um, on his football team, there was just too many Marys and not enough Williams. <laughs> not enough Williams. That's it. That's it. Yep. 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 That's and that's true. You know, we have a. Um, for the listeners out there, who's pro- they're probably aware, um, we're a member of a really great um, uh, a group called the Chris Bex uh, community from, with lawyers that are like-minded from all over the country. And it's really just incredible to see um, all of these lawyers who really want to help people get together and, and meet. And uh, one of our lawyers, uh, John Barry, is, was, uh, played football at, at um, William & Mary. So uh, <laughs> we have to remind him of that every and time so, we see um, him. Uh, so you ended up playing tennis at William Murray? I did. I did. I played. I only played for a, a year. So I played my first year, and I realized I wasn't going to be a professional. And uh, I ended up um, focusing on on academics. I, I still uh, keep up with my William and Mary friends and my the tennis players that I played with, and I really, um, you know, uh, enjoyed playing tennis. But uh, I, I, fo- I focused on what my future was was which was going to be in the uh the realm of uh, law more so than than tennis although i still love tennis and i think it's a great sport that everybody uh should should engage in because it's it's uh it's challenging it, it's uh you know it's one of those sports where and, you can and play you're still playing your nowadays. entire life which is a great thing yeah i actually have the jimmy everett tennis center about a half mile away uh jimmy everett uh, used to be married to uh, Chris Everett, who, uh, as many of our listeners are probably aware, is a, one of the best female tennis players of all time. So they started this incredible tennis, tennis facility literally half a mile away from me. So I've got 24 courts, uh, some really good people. And so I, I try to play uh, not as much as I used to. Uh, honestly, uh, I've been uh, derelict in, uh, in doing it as much as I want to. But I think... Uh, the self quarantine has, um, you know, uh, kind of encouraged me when we 
are able to go back and and be, and live our our normal lives again to uh, I get it yeah to be so more, um, uh, more active you know what's uh, when I was doing some um, some background research on you I the one that hit me the part that hit me was the time that you went right in to be a state's attorney and uh, you know representing the government um, and tell me about that experience how that uh, helped you as a trial lawyer. Oh, it's incredible, incredible. So the uh, first week I was employed with the state attorney's office in uh, Daytona, they gave me two cases to try by myself, uh, The one on Tuesday and one on Thursday. I started on a Monday. Uh, Daytona is actually the Wild West of Florida in some ways because it's a very transient uh, city. There's the, the, the NASCAR races. There's the bike weeks. There's the spring breaks. Uh, there is... Um, you know, uh, Biketoberfest, there's just, you know, it's, it's a very um, tourist-centered uh, city, so there's a lot of things that go on, as you can probably imagine, and uh, we were, I was, I think we had a quarter million cases going through um, our, uh, our system every year, and it's something ridiculous, the amount of citations and, and arrests that we're going through, so uh, when you got in there, it was like your face in the fire immediately, so within uh, to, uh, within a week, I, I picked two jury trials and, and, uh, I, I won my first one. Uh, and then the second one I actually, uh, lost on a judgment of acquittal. My, my star witness showed up, uh, <laughs> and, uh, was impaired. So the judge, uh, disqual- <laughs> the judge, the judge, the judge, uh, uh t- told me to come and approach the bench and said, look, I smell some alcohol coming from your uh the uh, the victim it wasn't the defendant it was the victim in the case and he ordered the uh, bailiff to, to breathalyze the victim in court and uh, ended up holding him in contempt so instead of the defendant going to jail the the victim went to jail but the judge released him a, a couple hours later and and granted the the defense's motion to acquit so it was it was definitely an eventful first week and within um you know my uh, my time there i was able to pick over 60 juries uh, about a year and a half in, I was uh, promoted to the uh, special prosecution unit where I was dealing with capital felonies. I, um, you know, I was uh, I try I was able to try a murder case and and multiple um, you know uh, sexual assault cases. Uh, I worked uh, with the U.S. Secret Service for about three months. I went to one of their um, week long seminars and learned about forensics with regards to. Um, the uh, the sex crimes that were occurring on, you know on the internet this is back in 2007 it was still pretty early early on so prosecutors didn't really know you know how to to be able to track down who were victimizing people you know through uh, uh, through the internet and so you know we were able to to learn some, some some intricacies so I brought it back I was the only prosecutor in the state of Florida at that time to be involved with the U.S. Secret Service so it was kind of um, a, a, an opportunity for me to learn what was going on behind the scenes. It was like a C I remember they sent me to Hoover, Alabama, and there was like a CSI setup. They had, they had, I think 25, 50 prosecutors from around the, st- the country. And they brought us back to their lab and we were able to see all these, fa- this fancy computer equipment. And, and, uh, it was really, uh, interesting cause that was the, the early days, but, um, I, you know, I, I really enjoyed doing it. I think it, you know, I had I developed some really good relationships um, with a lot of people when I was uh, prosecuting and and working with the government. And, uh, you know, I, 
you know, I don't always agree with what the government does, um, but uh, I do uh, I do think that the, the service that a lot of the prosecutors are doing are, are great services. And and uh, I think that overall it was a, an, an incredible experience, um, not only from a um, perspective of getting, you know, trial experience and picking juries, but also helping people, which allowed me to, you know, you know um, kind of continue that mission with my father. We're, you know, we're, we're doing this interview right now, and it's April 3rd, 2020, uh, and it's a time of a lot of ambiguity right now. It feels like all the witnesses are drunk uh, that you're calling, and, you know, how you're going to react to that. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I agree with you. You know, yeah. one of the things I, I – uh, when I was a young lawyer, um, the uh, local prosecuting attorney would allow some of us civil lawyers – what they call it a program called DA for a day where we'd be able to go over there on a, a Tuesday night and pick up, you know, 20 files and, and then we try them on a Wednesday. Um, and you had to figure out which one was going to plead, which one was going to go. And usually it was the one that, uh, you know, first of all, that all these cases were the ones that the, the regular state attorneys didn't want, uh, cause they, they, they were losers. Um, but you know, they're hard cases, but, um, the ambiguity of not knowing who your witness were was, how you couldn't prep them, couldn't do all these other things. It's, it was a totally different world than than the civil world that you and I are in now, where we're able to really pick our cases and get them ready for trial and um, put things on the right way. But I tell you, there's always some ambiguity that that pops up in some of these civil cases. Is, is that your experience too? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, you look, you can prepare for anything, but you have to also expect that there's going to be those ambiguity ambiguities and that, you know, there's going to be those those situations where um, you need a lawyer like yourself, uh, you know, who can kind of think on his on his feet and that can, uh, you know, make sure that if there's an issue that comes up that you didn't expect, you know, how are you going to still be able to get the right message across? to the judge and to the jurors and get the truth out, even though it may not seem, you know, sometimes people say one thing, but they mean something else. And uh, it's, it's, it's a challenge, but that's what, yeah, we, you know, that's um, what, what trial lawyers have to deal with. One of with, the right? things that, that I really admire about you, uh, Carrie, is that, um, you know, your, your, your family's had a law firm in Florida for a long time. And I, I really like the, uh, the, the, adventure that you're on um opening an office down in southern florida uh it must be quite a challenge for you i, I appreciate that and, and it is a challenge we're growing um i started off by myself i was actually when i first moved i, I made let, let me let me give you a little bit of background so my father um he started practicing in 1971 he uh he's always been a solo practitioner and he's uh, he's a, uh, an amazing, uh, um, you know, lawyer. He's a great marketer. He's been in the Gainesville community and that's his, and, and, you know, he's been lucky enough to be able to help people, uh, for many, many years. And, you know, when I started in 2009, it was a really good experience for me to work with him, work in Gainesville. And I, I still consider Gainesville my home, uh, in, in 2017, after eight years, I finally made partner in the firm. So he made me work for it, which I'm glad he did. Um, and I was able to build 
kind of a subsection of the firm up there and a criminal practice back up to where it had almost depleted. And, and now we have uh, a brand new uh, criminal practice up in Gainesville. So that was a success. But I wanted the challenge of trying to do something um, different. And I had uh, my mother down here, my sister down here, my aunt, my uncle down here. My, my aunt, my aunt, my uncle are, are lawyers in Miami. And my grandfather, actually, uh, I, didn't, I don't know if you know this or not, Joe, but he was a, uh, a, a, a person who had very little education, joined the Air Force. After he got out of the Air Force, he ended up uh, uh, enrolling in Stetson Law School, where I went to in Florida under the GI Bill. And in 1951, he started practicing uh, personal injury or in, in litigation in Miami, which was a, was very, very rare. There wasn't many PI litigators uh, in, or civil, you know, civil litigators in the state of Florida at that time. So anyways, um, he was able to build his practice on his own, was very successful, um, you know, broke sovereign immunity in the state of Florida, ended up um, retiring at the age of 47 because he had done so well in, in his uh in his uh in his practice so you know i i kind of felt like this was my opportunity to do something with my father but also for for you know uh, for my family and try to expand our legacy and help more people throughout the state of florida so what what i did is i took all my money that i had in the partnership i came down to uh, south florida and for about six months, I was running a practice on my own with a virtual assistant. And, uh, and what that means is that I had someone answering the phones that wasn't in the office. I was in the office, and then she transferred the calls. Uh, within about a year and a half, now I have four full-time employee, uh, employees down here. I'm going to build that. And uh, even though we have 25 employees up in North Florida, I'm looking to match that within the next couple of years because... There's so many people down here that need help. And uh, through the lessons I've learned from, from you, from my father, from um, my grandfather, from all my family and friends, I, I think we can provide that service and continue to grow, hopefully. And, and so that's what the goal is. But I appreciate the, uh, the commendation. Um, and, and uh, you know, Joe, I've researched you as well. And I do know, you know uh, that you have uh, amazing accolades. Um, one of the things I wanted to say to the listeners out there, if they don't know much about you, um, you know, you actually are an incredible um, uh, type of firm because you actually you get cases from other lawyers as well as referrals from clients, which is really rare in the legal world. You know, and, and for other lawyers to to, re to refer and recommend cases to you is one of the, the biggest compliments you can get. Um, and I, I know that you're, uh, you've been, uh, throughout your career, you've been, you know, lecturing, you've been writing articles, you've been trying to teach other lawyers how to be the best that they can be. And, and not only, you know, do you help, uh, the other lawyers, but you obviously help your clients. So, uh, I don't, I don't mean to talk too much, but I wanted to make sure that your listeners know that, cause I'm sure you don't, you don't talk about yourself enough and, and they should know that, uh, that your practice has, you know, been built on, a very unique um, structure, which not well, I don't think there's many law firms in this country. Um, can, one of the things that same. that I um, when I was researching for this is, um, you know, that tie to your grandfather. It, it, I, I understand that that your grandfather is the one that handed you your diploma at Stetson's. That must have been quite a moment for you. He did. He did. 
It was. Now, it was an amazing moment. That, that year, he actually was awarded the, the highest honor by the Florida Supreme Court, which was the, the pro bono, uh, Tobias Simon pro bono award, because he was doing uh, pro bono work from the time that he retired. And uh, he was the first white member of the NAACP in, uh, in Daytona. And so, uh, you know, they finally recognized him um, after, and this was in 2005, he had retired probably, I think in the late seventies or, or I don't the mid seventies, but, but uh, he uh, continued his, um, his, uh, you know, his work for the people that needed work, the, the underprivileged. And so for him to sit on the stage and be able to give me my diploma was, was really meaningful. And he passed away shortly after. So it was one of those um, memories that you just can never recreate. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, the legacy aspect of it for, um, you know, when, when you think about your grandfather, you know, working so hard to, you know, be a pioneer down in Southern Florida, and now you're recreating it, that must get you up in the morning. Oh, man, I, Listen, I am so proud of, of everybody in our firm. You know, we have uh, uh, Zoom conferences. And if the listeners out there don't know what Zoom is, they probably all do. It's kind of like FaceTime. But we conference first thing in the morning and the afternoon. And the attitude and, you know, the, everyone pitching in is just incredible. Um, it, it always gets me up in the morning. But even the last few weeks, you know, I feel so lucky to have the opportunity to be surrounded by, by people who are optimistic that are, you know, we're, we just set up a hotline to try to um, help people get through the coronavirus situation in Florida, meaning that, you know, it's not necessarily we're going to get any fees from it, but if they need to know how to, how to get their loans in or if they want to know, you know, where do they go if they get sick, where do they get tested, you know, we're trying to, uh, to be there for people that, that need help because, we have the ability to help them and getting up every, every morning and having that opportunity for our, our callers to call, you know, and we've been getting a lot of calls cause we've been uh, trying to get the word out. Look, we'll, we'll help you. We'll be a resource for you. And every single one of our employees have bought into the hotline, even though they're dealing with things that they have never dealt with before. Sometimes it's just listening and saying, we understand this is tough. We're in, the, we're all in the same boat. Everybody's struggling right now. Let's, you know, let's stand together as a community. And I think that, um, and, and, and yeah, but you have to live it. You have to do it every morning. And I know you do it too. I, 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 I remember seeing you at 6 30 AM in the gym working out before a conference, um, uh, back in Atlanta last year. Well, you know, so I know you're I'm at this, and you're um, going your, right, your right website, meldenlaw.com. And I, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this 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 unbelievable website which has COVID nineteen updates, and it's got all of the. He talked about the free attorney hotline, which has got that, but it's also got all the resources from. It seems like North Florida, South Florida, the whole thing. This is uh, this is really impressive. Well, thank you. Yeah, we're, 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 we're still working on it because it's new. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I can tell you it was Jeffrey's um, leadership that really brought that about. And 
all of our employees have bought in and we're getting calls 24 hours a day. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just, we're, Joe, I mean, Joe, you know, you've done incredible work for your clients. I mean, you're, you're probably the top litigator in Chicago and that area and, and anywhere in Illinois for that sake. But, uh, you know, the opportunity to give back is one that, that is more valuable than any amount of money that we can make. And we're in a fortunate position to have that ability to, to give back and at least try to calm people because I think panic and fear is the biggest enemy that we're facing. Um, obviously the, 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 the coronavirus is, is causing that. And that's, you know, we have to pray for everyone that's facing it and, and, you know, we're all going to lose friends and family most likely in the next few weeks. And it's going to be really, really tough. And, you know, every day is going to get, you know, it's going to always be hard, but uh, I think optimism and, and be focused on, on what can you do today and what can you do at that moment, you know, um, that help is, is I, I what too believe we're this is going to be on. a defining moment for a lot of folks, you know, uh, personally, professionally, um, law firms, um, and, and boy, I, you know, seeing this website that you guys have in the reach, you know, our reach to the community, I, I, um, I'm very impressed, but, um, why don't we, um, switch gears a little bit here. Um, and, Tell me, uh, Carrie, um, I always talk to folks about defining moments, both uh, personally and professionally, because, I, you know, I think, you know, when when folks um, hire a lawyer, um, sure, they hire them for all the great you know, results that that uh, you get. And, and, you know, it's word of mouth, a lot of word of mouth. I know that you guys get a lot of uh, referrals from clients, uh, existing clients, because you guys have come through for them. Tell, tell us some defining moments in your personal life that, that have shaped you. Well, that's a, that's a tough question. You know, I think, gosh, that's, that's a really hard one. I, I can tell you, I can give you some anecdotes. Um, you know, I, I think uh, it's hard to, to talk about, you know, one particular moment. Um, I can tell you, uh, you know, from my experience, if we, we want to relate it back to what we were talking about before, I, I grew up playing, you know, tennis almost my entire life. Right. And it's a single it's a single sport, meaning that you either you win or you lose. Um, and I think one of the lessons I learned through playing uh, that sport was that adversity. And, and look, it's not apples to apples. So I don't want people out there to think that I'm comparing tennis to the coronavirus. But this is just from my personal perspective is that, you know, it's not lose, lose, everyone loses, um, you know, on a daily basis on some, for, to some level. Right. But it's about picking yourself up and about, you know, be able to get ready for the next point or the next match. And, and, and how do you conduct yourself while you're doing that? In other words, are you going to be a sportsman? Are you going to be someone that is known as a, as a gracious uh, winner? Are you going to be someone that, is no, known as a sore loser? Are you going to be someone that envies someone else or, or doesn't give other people credit? And so, you know, during my time where I played uh, competitive tennis, which was probably about 10 years, I was, you know, I, <laughs> I had played a lot, a lot, of, a lot of tournaments and I was pretty good, but I wasn't going to be world-class. I, I think I, I learned from that personal experience about the ability to, you know, live in the present and to, not worry about the past and, and always focus on what was the next, what was going to be the next point? What, what's the next 
step? You know, how do I get better? What could I have done different? I mean, uh, I've had, I, I think probably you've had a similar situation, but I don't know. You maybe have won all your cases, but I haven't won all of my, my trials. But I've had sometimes my clients on the cases that I've lost have been more appreciative than the ones on the cases that I've won just simply because they knew how hard I tried for them and that when no one else was there to try to help them, I was, I was willing to, to try. And I think um, from, so personally, you know, I've always kind of had that, you know, I don't care about what happened the last, you know, you know, I, um, I want to focus on what I find points um, that folks that, that have been in competitive sports or activities um, seem to be suited for uh, litigation because there, there are wins and losses and you have to come back from a, a tough loss. I always, um, my wife and I like to watch tennis. Um, we play a little bit. Um, my, our daughter started playing this year and it was so fun to go watch her play in high school. But um, when we watch the, the high level folks uh, play uh, and, and just the resilience that, you know, for, for these, you know, uh, multiple set, you know, uh, you know, games, it's, it's, it's just absolutely amazing to, to me that, that they can, uh, last that long after they, they, they win one set and they lose, etc. I, I don't, I don't, um, I have a, such an appreciation for folks that do that. And I, I, um, it's the mental, it's the mental uh, edge, isn't it? I mean, that, that, that basically you're able to regroup and just forget what happened a minute ago. Right. I think so. I think you have to have a, a quick memory, but you know, what, tell me, I mean, about your trials, you probably had trials that have been weeks long and think about that. I mean, to be mentally engaged for, for weeks upon weeks uh, in litigation, I think is even more impressive. You know, a tennis match, does take a lot of um, it's 90% mental uh, and you do have to be, you know, always focused and, and not lose your, uh, your eye on the prize. But, uh, and I think trial litigation is like that. And I think you're exactly right. I think, it, you know, what we do is almost, a, is almost a competitive, um, I wouldn't call it a sport, but it, but it is, it does require, require that focus and that, you know, when the, sometimes you'll lose emotion or lose an objection or you, you'll have testimony not go your way and you got to let it go and move forward. And so I, I do think there's a translation with regards to that being my, my personal. You, know, you talked about to um, professional to Alabama uh, to be part of that, uh, that group that um, it was almost like a CSI episode. And then, you know, that some of the, your other trials are, are there any yeah. other uh, cases or trials or clients that, that were, were uh, ones that, that you just, you walk around today you know, in 2020 and you look back and you say, boy, I, um, I felt like I made a difference. Um, yeah, yeah, yes, there definitely is. I mean, there was a family in uh, Michigan, uh, you know, uh, up near Detroit, so, so somewhere close to Chicago who was down in Daytona. And, um, it was just a, a really nice family, uh, enjoying a vacation when I was a prosecutor in Daytona and, and uh, they, the uh, mother ended up getting sexually assaulted outside of her hotel while she was you know, watching the beach and, and the two kids ended up 
you know, oh. they were probably in their teens. They, they ended up watching this happen and, and the, uh, and the, the perpetrator, you know, ended up running away. They got away. We were able to find him through DNA evidence. And I got to know the family pretty well. I flew up to Michigan and, and uh, was able to develop a relationship with the husband and the wife. Being in Gainesville, you were kind of an inland person. And then Gainesville, you became kind of a, or I'm sorry, Gainesville is kind of an interior area. And then Daytona's on the coast, right? Yes, completely different. So Daytona is, a, is more of a vacation spot. Gainesville is a college town. Yeah, so, so you were talking about your... your um, your, your case with, with that, that poor gal that was just visiting and enjoying her, her time down there and some monster just completely changed their lives. Yes, it was, a, it was, it was exactly what it was. It was a monster. And so it was, a, it was a family of four. And, you know, I was, I was in my mid, I was probably 27, 28. And I developed a, a, a relationship with the entire family uh, to the extent that they would just call and we would just talk sometimes. And I think they just wanted, um, you know, just someone to, to kind of be there and, and, and understand, you know, it, it's hard when you're going through this tragedy that you really can't share with anyone else. And it, and it, and it kind of hit me uh, at some point that, you know, that these, that what we're doing is not a game. It's, it's real life, you know? And, uh, and I, and I end up, I still do have, I've had contact as recently as, you know, last year with the, with the family and it just, you know, we were able to, you know, obviously the, the person was, the perpetrator was caught and was convicted and we'll never see the light of day again, which is great. But uh, I think the, the big takeaway was that, you know, as, you know, for, we have a, a large responsibility um, as lawyers to help people who have been, you know, whose lives have been turned upside down. And a lot of times, you know, it's hard, you know, you get a lot, uh, you get a lot of people that say, well, lawyers are just, they just do this or they just cause more problems. They raise our insurance premium. All they care about is this. But I can tell you, um, that's not been my experience with the lawyers that I associate with that, you know, there's, there's deep binding uh, relationships that you, that never end. And uh, that, you know, that was one of them, but there's been countless others where, you know, you can get a feeling of being able to help someone, you know, that, that they, when they need help. And, and so, and there's a lot of professions like that, Joe, right? I mean, there's medical professionals, there's, there's first responders. Uh, a lot of people have that opportunity, but I'm grateful to have that opportunity. And I'm sure you are too. I know you've, you've helped people, you know, through catastrophic situations that they, that you can never even comprehend. You know, um, it seems like, um, you know, one thing that, that is really important for a lawyer um, is being able to be that that person that stands be, uh, between a, a very powerful interest and your client. And, you know, the one thing that I, you know, in doing my research um, on your background is that, you know, you, you've really developed a reputation as a lawyer who's able to, having been a prosecutor, to be able to figure out when, when somebody has been overcharged or it got caught into something that, that maybe wasn't their character um, and is a, a able to uh, reach out to the state's attorney and either work something out or figure out a, a defense to 
to to li- listen. You know, this person may have made a mistake, but they're not a criminal. Right. Or, you know, at the end of the day, people make make mistakes. And, and at the end of the day, you know, no one is perfect. And and uh, some, you know, some actions, you know, you can't ever explain and you, you don't know why, but you have to to make that attempt, you know. And and I think, uh, you know, with every single one of our clients, whether it's a civil client or a criminal client, you know, our job is to listen, first of all, uh, and then, you know, make sure that that we, you know, use our ethical obligations to represent them the, the best way that we see fit. And, and, and that's a hard, it's a very hard job, right? I mean, you, how long have you been, you know, you've been working with, with individuals your whole life. Now you do, uh, you know, you're mostly doing uh, plaintiff's work, but uh, you know, that's, that's, those are people that have been wronged and, you know, you have to explain them. Sometimes they have a case, sometimes they don't have a case. And it's, it's really, it's, it's a complicated um, profession because justice uh, is never equally distributed as much as we all want it to be. Right. You know, and, and um, you know, you developing your, your office down in South Florida, I just, uh, like I said, I got, I got, uh, I, I, I love um, when folks um, don't just sit back, sit on their laurels and, make a decision that, Hey, I'm going to be comfortable. This had to be somewhat, uh, I don't know if the listeners understand how far Gainesville is from Miami. <laughs> but it, it, it's a long ways away. It's a world yes. away. I, you know, having driven, um, you know, up in the Chicago area down all the way to Naples. Um, I tell no. you when we enter Florida, <laughs> when we enter Florida, the Northern part, we've, I mean, we still got, eight or 10 hours to go. It's a long ways. Yes. It's a long ways. It's, it's about a five hour uh, road trip uh, to our office in, in Gainesville. So it's, it's far. um, And, but it's, it's exciting. And we're doing, you know what, we just started um, handling these business interruption claims down here. um, And we're doing it as a service to the, the businesses. And it's been really nice to meet new, new business owners down here who need some help and, you know, we offer them some free advice on how to make a claim. We, we understand that it's, you know, when I say a claim, it's a claim against the insurance company. You're not making a claim against the government. Um, but, uh, you know, in, in South Florida, it's a, it's a completely different uh, world than North Florida. I mean, you couldn't you couldn't be more different. One, the farther south you go in Florida, Joe, the more uh, the more northern it gets, if that makes sense. No, I get it. Yeah. It's like people from, <laughs> people, people from New York come down there and and. Uh it becomes more of a big city, right? It's yes. Yes. And good people, uh, great people from all over. We got people from Chicago, Cleveland, Detroit, New York, New Jersey. It's a melting pot of the entire United States. So it's been really fun for me to meet people from all over the country. Well, I'm going to hold you to, to speaking to us again, Carrie, because, um, I, you know, uh, half a year or a year from now, I want to catch up with you and see, you know, how that office is going. And more importantly, you know, I want to hear some of the, the great stories and all the great stuff that, that you guys have done for your, your clients, but, but also the community engagement. I, I, I was looking, anybody that wants to get a background on Carrie, they should just go to meldenlaw.com, check out the About Us section, and you'll see all of these stuff that these guys do in the community, the essay contest, the veterans, the scholar-athlete program. They're doing 
uh, outreach. It seems like 80% of what they do isn't about them making <laughs> money. I, I, I just, I mean, it's, it, you guys are role models to us. So thank you so much for taking the time to meet with us. I know that um, there'll be another side to this uh, coronavirus uh, pandemic that we're in. And, um, and I think, you know, you guys, you know, doing all this great work you're doing for the community is going to pay off in spades and um, that, you know, folks will know how to, how to deal with it a lot better and, and running into your firm. So thanks so much for sitting down with me, Carrie. Thank you, Joe. We're, we're thinking of you up in Chicago to you and your family and, and uh, all, all the people up there, uh, you know, we hope you uh, you get through this and uh, we'll see you on the other side. All right. Take care, Kerry. All right. All right, Joe. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to the opening statement with Joe Shannon. You can find us on the Internet at ShannonLawGroup.com or telephone our office at 312-578-9501. Have a terrific day.